Hello, listeners. Another episode of Unverified Accounts for You. Your usual host, Chris, along with the usual crew, Liza and Philip. Hello, guys. What's up, Chris? Hi. Uh, this episode, we're uh, a bunch of like movie news. I mean, the Oscars are are tonight, um, along with other things that have come out. The the Shang Chi trailer, Mortal Kombat's come out, um, and inevitably some dumb tweets around those things. So it's going to be kind of a, a loosey goosey episode. We're going to jump around from topic to topic. So uh, you know, hang hang with us for the ride. Um, just checking in with you guys. How how are you guys doing? Not not too bad. I realized that um, uh, my be, like the the dry winter season's over and now like the allergy season's in so like my nose is being ravaged still by kleenex and stuff like it's just we terrible just talked about I constantly that. blowing I my to, nose i have like my throat is so itchy like all the time yeah it's no i think i think it's covid i don't know i don't i think the, the covid has infected the weather as well because ever since i moved to new york city i've never really had allergy like hay fever problems which i had mm-hmm. a lot of when i was living in philly but oh man, like just yesterday, I'm just like I'm. Uh, even when I'm indoors all day, someone like sneaks in. I don't know what's going on. The secret it's- is to buy off-brand Claritin and Reactin on Amazon. It's a bit sketchy, but it it definitely works. Wait, how much is it per thirty? It's it's I don't know how much it is, but I think it's like maybe a third or a quarter of the price yeah, of buying well, like the, the name brand shit. When I go to Rite Aid, I just buy the Rite Aid brand. I don't buy Zortec. Yeah, that works. That works. Yeah, but it might even be cheaper online. But also, mm-hmm. it's like. You got to get it when you you need it. It's not something you can wait <laughs> even a few days for. And I don't have Amazon Prime, so yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so I tried watching Mortal Kombat uh, last night. I uh, just didn't have time. I'll, I'll get around to it. But your your initial thoughts? It's 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 actually been. I've heard a lot of. Fan, I mean, we saw the discrepancy between the the critics and the audience. That's a mm-hmm. given. Yeah, that's funny. But even among the audience, I think there's a lot of division. Like people who still, really? of course, there will because there's so many hardcore fans. Yeah, I think some people really love the the '90s version and um, etc. So just just some quick thoughts without spoilers, I guess. Um, what do you guys think of the movie? I was a huge fan of the '90s version. I was I kind of grew up on it. I, you know, how like kids will rewatch movies that they really like over and over again. Uh-huh. Mortal Kombat 95 was definitely one of those movies for me. Oh, really? And I actually thought that this new movie was um, like it, it. It actually doesn't even go into that like that deep of the lore in terms of all the new games that come out. It's onto like they're onto like Mortal Kombat 11 or 12 now. Yeah. I don't really play them, right? But like, there's just so many of them. There's so many new characters. There's all this new backstory, and this obviously just covers the beginning because it's maybe the the first one in a franchise, right? Um, and so I don't see why fans who are like really into Mortal Kombat who have kept up with the storyline would be pissed off about this because it, it actually just kind of covers the OG shit with a lot of OG references. Mm, okay. you know? So what do you think, Liza? I was um, not as big a fan as you, but I was a pretty big fan of the original. And I like this one better because it has Hiroyuki, but there's not enough Hiroyuki. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. He, li- he, like, he opens man. the movie and then he disappears for like, I don't know, like an hour, maybe even more. Yeah. So I, what I'll say is that I think this is a, I mean, the movie is more of a movie for fan service now than the first movie in some ways and not others. Right. So like I found that this new movie was not as funny. It was a bit more serious. Like it took the lore a little bit more seriously than the 95 version. Um, which is fine. Like they, you know, they didn't have as much comic relief. Like in the first one, like you know, both Johnny Cage and and uh, Raiden were both like comic relief, and they were quite good in how they played it off. In this one, it was like kind of all around Kano being a dickhead, you mm-hmm. know, which is like it's it's all right. But I I think that like they definitely made it with gamers in mind still, which is why I'm still surprised the hardcore gamers, you know, kind of scoff at it. Um, there's one particular scene I won't ruin it, but there's one particular scene. Um, involving a certain move that players like to do or AIs like to do in the game that I think like everyone <laughs> everyone would like point at the screen and be like, oh my God, like people were tweeting about this particular scene that uh, uh, was 100% fan service, right? And that's kind of what the movie was about. So if you take it that way, you don't take it as a serious martial arts film, then it's, I think it's a good movie. And I think it's also a decent martial arts movie, right? Like they actually have some yeah, have good choreography. Good like Joe Taslim as Sub-Zero was fucking fantastic, you know? Um, you know, I th- thought it was decently done in, in that way. So, speaking of uh, video game adaptations and fan service, um, so this is a this is a tweet that I want to talk about just because of how uh, awe inspiringly bad it is. But so there's this lingering bitterness over Sonic the Hedgehog of all things. Like this is how silly the culture <laughs> wars gets. Now, 
remember when the first Sonic trailer came out in in 2019 and everyone was aghast over how like just freaky Sonic looked? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the studio went ahead and changed them and made them more like the Sonic that looks like in the video game. Yeah, he looked like an animatronic like thing at Denny's with like human teeth. And shit, <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You would think that this would be a total like no big deal, right? But yeah. Uh, two things happened, I think. First of all, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog became the movie that embarrassed Birds of Prey at the box office. Remember when Birds of Prey came out and then, um, you know, it didn't do that well. And then Sonic came out the next weekend and it broke all sorts of records. Sonic mm-hmm. was a better movie. I saw I saw it in the theaters with the kids. I, <laughs> I thought that Sonic the Hedgehog was, I thought it was entertaining. I really like Jim Carrey as a Robotnik. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Jim Carrey was in that. Yeah, yeah. and Ben Schwartz was uh, a Sonic, and he's a great voice actor. So perfect yeah. voice actor for a new Sonic. Yeah, so I, I think if if you're the type of uh, online culture warrior who really thinks like Star Wars is is the great civil war of our time, then something <laughs> like Sonic is part of the problem because it was there for all those ign- ignoramuses to go see instead of Birds of Prey. <laughs> Birds simply of by Prey exi- was so bad though. So Sonic simply by existing. Uh, diverted all the attention and money that birds of prey was entitled to for reasons xyz uh but secondly also because i think the the people who at least are stereotyped as having grown up with sonic and loved sonic would have been those you know disgusting geeky boys that that must be humiliated at all turns now um them getting what they want in terms of the sonic they want is is a no-no this is the same reason why some people were so upset with the the snyder cut of justice league they thought that this this was giving the wrong people what they wanted therefore it it was it was a sin like it was a no-no again um so anyway uh that's the background of this tweet but um okay just let me pull it up the guy who who went berserk over the fact that (laughs) the movie studios listened to what the fans wanted was a fucking movie about sonic you know this isn't i mean this isn't like Orson Welles uh, of, you know, crowdsourcing, uh, sh- should I let um, Charles Foster Kane uh, be redeemed or not at the end? This is not that. This is a fucking movie about Sonic. Sonic the Hedgehog the only reason- Birds of Prey. <laughs> the only reason this movie exists is to be just pure commercial crass. There's no real artistic merit to making a Sonic movie. Oh, I would say there's plenty of artistic merit in okay, um, all right. Jim Carrey's May- acting. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so the... So the tweet that I want to talk about is he tweets, uh, so he's railing against um, movie studios being too beholden to the fans. So he says, and I quote, (laughs) I hope creators start making more and more controversial choices. Of course, I don't mean problematic or insensitive ones, but I want a revolutionary era, uh, era of bonkers, wild, out of left field shit, constant subversion just to teach people a lesson. That's a contradictory tweet. Exactly. Um, well, on the surface, right? You would think, wait a minute, how can you be controversial without being problematic or insensitive? And that's, But that's only if you take the def, uh, dictionary definition of problematic or insensitive. What they really mean by problematic or insensitive is to them. Things that piss them off is out of bounds. Uh, anything that hurts their self-esteem, uh, hurts their feelings... Uh, that's what they mean by problematic or insensitive. They don't mean problematic or insensitive to everyone because anything that's controversial will be insensitive to somebody by definition. But that's, Who I think... Who is this person that tweeted it? He's some... I think he's some NPR guy or... Oh, uh, God, that explains uh, it. Uh, like, executive... No, he, he's... Yeah, he's iHeartRadio. Like, no, iHeartRadio uh, of something. And he, he also has a Star Wars, Wars podcast. He's, yeah, he's, you know, he's got 2,700 followers. He's not a big figure in any way. <laughs> yeah, we right. have more followers than that. Not that that matters, but I mean... <laughs> But the thing is, like, you can look at his first tweet. It got ratioed, you know, pretty pretty badly, and that's probably why it showed up on your on your feeds. And I think the the problem with what he's saying is just like he can make his statement, but the the thing he's defending is fundamentally incorrect, right? Like the new Sonic that came out after the fan backlash is objectively better, truer to the source material, and better for kids and fans, right? If he was making this comparison with something else that made more sense, then he could actually make a legit point, but. Here he was just outright wrong, right? Like the original Sonic was horrific. Why would you hold up a horrific, <laughs> a horrific, you know, you know, monstrosity as something we should do more of? You yeah, know what but, I'm saying? But that last sentence is uh, indicative: constant subversion just to teach people a lesson. What now, lesson was being taught here? I don't understand. Like, this no, is- the lesson he wanted taught to the disgusting, um, I guess, semen encrusted 
Sonic fanboys, <laughs> which I'm sure exist in his mind, is you don't get what you want. In fact, we're going to take something that we know you hate and we're going to shove it down your throat and you're but, either going to like it or or leave it. But this is this is all imagined, right? Because were those even the people who were dis- disgusted and horrified at the original no, trailer? No, everybody. No, it was the entire, yeah, it was the entire fucking internet. <laughs> these people, um, I don't know. I think they're still stuck in in like the high school lockers they were always pushed into this it's, guy was this guy was clearly a mario fanboy <laughs> and therefore an idiot <laughs> the yeah the console wars in fact uh, what's that netflix documentary about those um but like the history of video games i forget what the title was there are many. but you know it, it shows the whole uh console wars uh, yeah, with yeah mario yeah, versus yeah. sonic maybe he was maybe he was a mario fanboy maybe he was the kind of guy who went to the malls and played Became like Nintendo champion of the world by getting the highest score <laughs> no, in no, Mario. Here's my here's my my piece of data on this. Right, it's completely anecdotal, but I, I was a Sonic fanboy when I grew up. I had a, <laughs> I had a Genesis. I I kind of like reveled in liking Sonic over Mario because everyone else liked Mario. Uh-huh. Right, it was always the kind of like you know alternative pick. And I didn't watch this movie. I didn't I didn't actually like I did I stopped caring because the game started sucking. Right, mm-hmm. despite being super diehard, you have to understand. Like, I owned every single Sonic cartridge. I think I have them somewhere in my basement still, right? For the original Genesis, and I didn't give a shit about this. So this imagined idea of like, you know, crazy, you know, <clears throat> living in their their mom's parents kind of like, you know, Sonic fanboys from the past. Just <laughs> I don't even know if that exists. I think it's just completely made up yeah, by it's... this uh, by this fucking Star Wars nerd. So it is a weird um, just. Just fantasy war in their head. High score. High score is the thing on Netflix mm-hmm. I was talking about. Jess, yeah. actually. Oh, I love that documentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I remember seeing that. My One of my favorite facts was the fact that Kirby was named after Nintendo's lawyer who like saved <laughs> them from some evil corporation. That's awesome. So they made one of the, the most beloved, cutest, and most powerful characters, I think. Uh, Overpowered. In my <laughs> opinion. In None of the good documentaries are ever um, nominated for Oscars. Yeah, I think you gotta be like super depressing uh, in order to win uh, that. It's fan. It's fan service. I mean, all the. Because I saw that. Um, I saw that that um, that documentary about Filipino journalist Maria Ressa, A Thousand Cuts, okay. is nominated for an Oscar, and I was like, was it even that good? Like, <laughs> I I believe in her cause, but I also am like, okay, let's talk about movies here as um, like the craft of filmmaking, and I'm like. I don't know. Yeah. Well, th- there's a reason why documentarians have the worst reputation in terms of being the most joyless snobs, right? Oh, really? <laughs> the, yeah, the most insufferably... Because like, until like Michael Moore came along, documentaries weren't even popular. It was just something mm. that oh, like, 10 people would want. Morgan Spurlock. Right, right. But Morgan Spurlock uh, came after um, Michael Moore, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah. I don't think that... I don't think it was Michael Moore that glamorized the documentary... The way Morgan Spurlock. Well, Morgan Spurlock could have taken it to the next level, but Michael Moore definitely put it on the map with Bowling for Columbine, and to a lesser extent, Roger and me. Uh, It was, you know, for the people. Document, document, document. I can't even. What can I say now? All right, Philip, can you jump in? Save me. (laughs) I, I, I think that the, uh, I think the two of them didn't necessarily make documentaries prestigious. I think the two of them just invented a kind of new genre of documentaries, in in particular, uh, Spurlock, right? Of like cultural critique, I'm sure there. I'm sure there are cultural critique documentaries before them, but they popularized the idea that like we can make a doc, like we can put in a two-hour bite-sized, um, you know, video, um, a deep, you know, undoing of something we don't like, right? And I think actually there's been a recent example of this, like the the documentary Sea Spiracy on Netflix, which I actually was going to watch. Oh, what's that about? It talks about like uh, basically climate change and how it's being like a lot of the bad climate change shit and like environmental shit is coming from the way we deal with the oceans, like the way we trawl for shrimp and fish and mm-hmm. all that bad stuff, right? How we kill whales, whatever. It turns out apparently just uh, this past week or something, there's been some um, articles written by the document, uh, the scientists who were who were uh, in the documentary saying that a lot of the stuff they said was taken out of context in order to fulfill some sort of uh, vegan propaganda <laughs> conspiracy, right? So, but 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 this this but you have to think about like when this movie came, this documentary came out. I think a couple a few weeks ago, um, you know, it made a big splash and people really rallied around it and people are absorbing the ideas you know provided by it. Right? It's not a movie. It's not fiction. It's about real ideas. Um, and so it's, it's, you know, they popularize this kind of genre of 
you know, outrage porn in the form of like insightful, intelligent, factual documentaries, right? Um, yeah. yeah, I had a crab roll last night. I feel bad now. Maybe I was, I was uh, <laughs> contributing to that ocean trawling problem. Maybe, yeah. Uh-huh. But uh, another thing that really just, really just pissed me off about that tweet is the idea that you could be subversive and bonkers and controversial without uh, being problematic or insensitive, which means you are not actually any of those things. You are just um, probably playing very safely to a crowd, just telling the choir what they want to get preached at. And, you know, we on this pod, were big fans of things that do uh, ruffle feathers, uh, you know, make people uncomfortable. But these people are just so sheltered. They're just... They don't want any of their uh, sensibilities offended. Well, well what um, they're trying to say is that the art that they create, the like, you know, very kind of, you know, careful, like pro-justice art that they create is considered acceptable, right? Because they've defined those 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 uh, constraints themselves. I think these are SJWs who still think that they're like radical leftists. No, exactly. Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly that's what it. the problem yeah. is. And they don't realize that they're... Um, they're backed by corporate America now. Corporate America is woke as hell. And oh, I got emails like constantly again, you know, after like Asian week. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's what pisses all those same emails that came after uh, the George Floyd protests, you know? Yeah. And that's what pisses me off. Like if you want to continue preaching that message, go ahead. Even the, even the Christian right is making big budget movies. Now everybody has a right uh, to, you know, put out their, creative expression but don't pretend what budget movies are the christian right putting out i'm talking like relatively speaking i think they've got like some isn't the whole like left behind or um the thing about the rapture i Mm -hmm. I always get it mixed up with with another thing that's actually not about the rapture uh but they got like stuff uh, coming out um are you, talking, are you talking about like like the evangelicals who believe that once they return the jews to yeah yeah and all, all the people on, on earth like disappear or something and then there's like uh yeah there's like a very famous book series i think it's called left behind okay and um i, I think they're they've turned it or are turning it into movies and and shit like that but uh so yeah these people they want to preach their their message uh that's fine with me but don't call it fucking subversive it's not and when something actually subversive comes along don't get pissed off at it because you yourself i think that left behind is more subversive well that's probably true (laughs) in in terms of yeah i mean you you don't have coca-cola promoting left behind's message as fucked up as that is this like a ben shapiro gina carano production i'm sure they will do an update if because if something has been made i'm sure they could do a bigger budget more refined version of it yeah so yeah, there's also a video game series that sounds similar to it, but it's not. I always get them mixed up. It, it's, uh, it's, I think, the ones about the zombies, and, and it's not nothing religious. <laughs> yeah. Are we, are we going to talk about Shang Chi? Because I have a, one more thing to say about Mortal Kombat that will transition us right over. All right. To let, let, the other martial. This is like a martial arts renaissance for Asian Americans. Liza, you you yeah. must feel very vindicated that finally Asian Americans have come around to the fact that martial arts is kind of cool and we should embrace it. So, all right, Philip, say your piece. Uh, about- I don't know, not with Shang Chi. But- <laughs> uh, Philip, say your piece about Mortal Kombat. We'll move on. All right. So the, the the one thing people like to say about I've seen this like in several places about MK ninety five, the original Mortal Kombat, was that you know during that terrible era for Asian media rep, specifically Asian male media rep, Mortal Kombat was actually a really good example of this because um, it had some really interesting uh, characters who played by you know yeah you're right it was C list B list. Um, actors, but you know they did a great job. Like Robin Shu as uh, Liu Kang, I think he was actually a better Liu Kang just for his hair <laughs> than uh, than Ludi Lin in in uh, the new one. Um, and if you look at the new movie that just came out, it's actually got even more representation. In fact, it actually got all the characters correct, if you can call it that, in terms of their race, right? Like both the ninjas were actually Asian guys and not white guys. Uh, Raiden's um, uh, Asian guy, mind you, I, I thought the the Raiden in um, the original movie was better. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a uh, you know it's it, it's done it's done a better job that you have oh you and you have um, of course like Lewis Tan right as this newcomer Cole Young um, and there's there's a few articles that were going around before the movie came out about why he was put in instead of Johnny Cage right because mm-hmm. Johnny Cage was not included in this movie on purpose um, and the I think the director the creator said it was because they actually wanted more representation right they didn't want just another straight oh. white male okay. guy right um 
in place of you know in, so in place of Johnny Cage to put uh, this I think Hapa character right uh, Cole Young and I thought that was interesting too because usually you think about like inserting a character on purpose for representation it's not an Asian guy right but because this is Mortal Kombat because this is like a martial arts film and so on you know they they chose to create this new character in the lore Cole Young right who's like a washed up MMA uh, Muay Thai fighter and I thought like you know a couple of things this would transition right to Shang-Chi but first I thought the character was good, right? The character was actually interesting in that he wasn't just like some champion who who uh, made his way into the tournament or whatever. He he actually was, you know, had a backstory, was a bit washed up and so on. Um, but also the way they, they did the treatment of like his special powers and stuff, like how they tied it to Muay Thai with like his uh, uh, tonfa, right? And, uh, you know, the kind of like cording around his armor and stuff was almost a perfect representation of Muay Thai in a Mortal Kombat game, which is great because they needed a character who actually brought modern martial arts into a game that started in the fucking 90s, right? So that was all good. But what I thought um, of, of Louis Tan, though, uh, and as it relates to Shang-Chi, was that he was famously um, competing with with Simu for the Shang-Chi character, and he lost, and he was kind of upset about it, right? Um, and after watching this movie, I see why. <laughs> why? Because he's, he's not a great actor, like he's he's he, a great martial artist. He's, he's a he's an actual martial artist, right? Kind of like uh, Joe Taslim. He's, he, he is became an actor after he became yeah. Taslim is a way better actor. Taslim is a, Taslim is a better actor. Um, but but Louis Tan has the kind of like correct face for like a leading male role, you know. I and guess. I you mean like a wider face, in know. other words. Uh, I wouldn't say that, but I I would say like you know he compared to, comparing his face to Simu, who's you know a bit more roundy and so on. Like he he would he would probably overcome all the criticisms of Simu being, you know, not attractive enough or not leading man enough, right, for for the uh for the Shang-Chi role. Um but the the point is that he wouldn't fit in the Marvel universe just just on the merit of his acting. Right? Because you think about it like the Marvel heroes, the male heroes, they have personality, right? They they're not just like great fighters or whatever. They also like, you know, can throw jokes and or like quirky, be quirky yeah. and so on. And you think about the character Jung that Simu became famous for in Kim's Convenience, that's actually almost a perfect fit if he can embody some elements of that like quirky, kind of dumb guy, you know, jockey personality into the Shang-Chi character. It could be a it could be a really great movie. And we haven't seen it because the trailer showed he gave he had like one line, right? But we'll see when the movie comes out how that plays out. I think. All right, so that's the perfect transition. So the Shang Chi trailer came out about a week ago, and uh, already they're uh, stirring up stories about it. See, I don't know if Marvel's actually tr- actually behind all this just to generate you know controversy because there's this whole angle uh, that has crossed my mind. Okay, so the the most high profile attack on not attack but controversy around shang chi is the fact that apparently in china they think simu lose ugly and they've been this was something that uh has been said before when he was announced as the as a person cast in this way back in like 2019 and uh in the so what's the problem it makes the movie less appealing to them right because every movie marvel makes and any other big studio makes is also a simultaneously a cash grab in china Right, so if if they consider Simu the lead to not be attractive enough, it may draw fewer dollars. So find someone hot like Donnie Yen. Well, they they, they made their decision, right? It's done. But so. see, this is why I think it might be like a psyop because I Marvel at this point might realize that Shang Chi is probably never not going to do well in China, just based on how Asian American films in general have been received in Asia. So now they could make um, it a patriotic thing. To support Shang Chi, and not only that, <laughs> to fight against uh, body and face shaming of men. Uh, be progressive, you know. Um, don't let don't let the the Reds, uh, you know, <laughs> face shame this this nice young man. <laughs> that's that's my thinking. Because I, I at this point, do, do they honestly think uh, a Marvel kung fu movie is going to really entice a Chinese audience that gets like ten kung fu movies a week? <laughs> In a language yeah, that they know, don't seriously. understand, um, or or at least jokes that they won't get. Jokes that they won't get. Um, you know, so I, I, so if I were them, I would embrace this and, uh, you know, make. What are you saying? Shelve the movie? No, no, no like just m- make it woke to to support Simulu. No, I think, that that oh won't because you can't make an Asian male like 
you know, hero woke, right? Like this is just not oh, acceptable. They can try. No, they're not gonna this is a crazy conspiracy, Chris. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't think this is true at all. I think I think that I do agree with you that I uh Marvel is not trying to win like you know, like Disney like tried with Mulan, the new Mulan, right? To make <laughs> Look it how that turned like out. the only the only thing part of this actually in, in the trailer that appears that that makes it appear that uh, Marvel tried to make this appealing to China, uh, to China and Chinese audience is the like, you know, the fight scenes they had where they were like flying around and stuff, doing Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon stuff, which I'm not a fan of, right? As a martial arts fan, um, but is you know an aesthetic, an aesthetic that does seem to do well in Chinese martial arts films. Okay, so maybe that part, but I don't think the Simu Liu is ugly part is 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 you know some kind of psyop. <laughs> I think they again chose him specifically because of what I said earlier, like. He is sufficiently handsome, but more so, he has some personality as an Asian male actor, and they need that in order to have, you know, the style of writing that Marvel writers do come out, right? Humor mixed with cool action and fantasy and so on. Yeah. So. Another conspiracy theory I have is that this could be a part <laughs> of, like, American, the soft in, soft power industrial complex to win over Asian American men to to become loyal Americans. Be like, no, because again, they don't give a fuck about Asian American men. Like, but same, if they wanted report. to, but if they wanted to, this is the way to do it. Say, look, look at that China. They they think but you're they ugly, don't want but, to, right? The but, point is, they don't. Give, but they we don't love give a shit. you. We're giving you a Marvel franchise. We love BTS. We love we love all the uh, all Asian guys. If if they really want to do it, that's the playbook. I'm telling them as if their anything. Advisor. If anything, here's a more legit conspiracy. If anything, I would say. They had some internal debate over whether or not to gender bend Shang Chi into a woman. I think that's more realistic. <laughs> I mean, that, that's pro- yeah, that's that's probably just as realistic. Yeah, <laughs> even more so, probably. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's that's going on, and I like okay. So I think Asian audiences are totally justified in not caring about Asian American stuff. Like, why would they oh, care yeah. about? They have their own like multiple movie industries. Yeah, like why there. why would they care about like second generation um, trials and tribulations about not fitting in? Uh, am I too east for the west? Too west for the east? I mean, we're tired of it. So why would we expect them to care about? They can't it? relate to it at all. They don't have that experience. They yeah, just don't like relate to that. What we make is at best is is like a photocopy of a photocopy. It, uh, <laughs> You know the yeah. I think that we can, as as like Asian Americans, I think that we can relate to the media in our homelands better than they can relate to our media because I don't know, like our parents and stuff. No, exactly. But I also don't want to let Asian Asians off the hook entirely because I think they're like I don't think they're they're. It's admirable for them to think, and you know, this kind of shit uh, is in their mind. They're they're probably thinking, uh, uh, you know. Well, we don't want to see Simu Liu. We want to see Chris Evans. We want to see mm. we want to see like a, a white man or or like a white for woman. an American movie. Yeah, why not? Sure. I mean, yeah, I can see but that. But that I think is they have their own, like they don't they don't have a representation problem. So for them to demand from American movies that they want to see white guys in American movies, I don't know. I guess I kind of I kind of don't really fault them for that. Yeah, but I think that's as self centered as think as second generation Asian Americans thinking that. The entire Asian continent should care about our assimilation issues. For Asia to um, completely ignore the fact that America isn't just white people and, and them still hanging on to that old notion and, and thinking that, I think is also something that should be critiqued. Um, and, and like John Cho in, in an interview, I remember him talking about how uh, Asians, they like Asian Asians, they enjoy being kind of like tokenized or exoticized because, hey, for them, it's like just. It's something that happens one day, then they just go back home and be, you know, so-called normal. But like mm-hmm. Asian Americans have to live with that every day. So I think when you know something like that is a legit point. So I don't want to say, oh, you know, those Asians in Asia, they got everything right and we're we're completely stupid. Because I think Asians in Asia, they got they got the like all the stuff that we kind of deal with is stems from that. We didn't invent all these complexes on our own uh, in America. Like a lot of Asian Americans had parents who told them basically that like white people were better and shit like that so you know asia's not blameless i'm not gonna let them off the hook that's my point even if asian americans can be super cringe <laughs> it's chauvinistic of you chris i don't know <laughs> controversial take i i think that asian americans uh i don't know if this is related or not i think i feel like it is but i think they should um probably reflect a bit more on that clip that went viral of um yun yu jung I, i'm uh-huh. not pronouncing it correctly but you know the grandma in minari yeah yeah and how she was like 
you know, I was confused as to why everybody, everyone was like emotional and, <laughs> so and crying funny. at this movie, like all these Asian American, you know, second gens, mm-hmm. um, because she didn't really understand that in the same way. Um, likewise with, uh, I think it was like Sandra Oh, who was talking about, uh, uh, was it Boon Ho Jong, the, the parasite director, mm-hmm. like, you know, not really having the same concerns that she did as an Asian American. We, we should reflect on those um, opinions of Asian Asians more of how we you know, relate to this media. If she wins Best Supporting Actress tonight at the Oscars, I am so curious to hear what her acceptance speech is going to sound like. Yeah, that would be that would be quite a hoot. Uh, yeah, no, Philip, I totally agree with you. Uh, my point is, I think it's really hypocritical and and self serving of Asian Asians to chide Asian Americans on may, having self esteem issues when they themselves uh, contributed to that. Whether it was like parents telling their kids, "Oh, you need like eyelid surgery or nose job or, or shit like that," sure, uh, you know that's where it comes from. And for them to be, oh, why are you so sensitive? Is like, you know, fuck that shit. You know, you got they got we reflect, they reflect, everyone reflects, everyone come out better. That's uh, that's my message. So that's the main uh, Shang-Chi controversy. Uh, anyone have anything to add to that? Because it's got like uh, other silly sub-controversies that we, we can get into. <laughs> but the, the Simu Liu is ugly thing was was the main thing. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> uh, but um, but he should just leverage it. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like he knows he's got his fans. He should just be like, uh, yeah, it, it's woke to think I'm hot. He should lean on that. I anyway. think he's aware. I think Simu is very aware of the minefield especially with his other controversies like the Mark Wahlberg thing and so on, mm-hmm. the minefield that he's in, uh, specifically as a representation of an Asian male, Asian American male celebrity, right? Because of things like that, um, that Rosie Box, Rosalind Taslin or whatever, uh, that is that Vice writer. Yeah, she's like, got, she's got, she and that no to- uh, Studio Glibly guy, they've, yeah. they've got like some irrational um, vendetta against as, against, against him, right? Simulator. Right, it's, and it's hilarious. To remember see. when he like DM'd her to say to talk about? I forgot what it was exactly. We're talking about like one of the controversies here. Um, she like didn't, you know, she kept talking about how she had he had to DM her to mansplain some shit, but she wouldn't explain what it was exactly. You know, the point that you t- you you made to me, Chris, was interesting, right? In that you said probably nothing. He probably didn't say anything bad because then she would if she he did say something bad. She would have screenshots, and she would just destroy him with it. Yeah, right? it would be a gold mine. It would be yeah, the, create another controversy. Yeah. Exactly, but she she didn't. She just kind of alluded to the worst possible thing, because he probably didn't say anything bad. Because he's actually probably super self aware of the issues now that that you know the controversies that he can wade into if he. It was more of just a brag that he DM'd her. Yeah, it's also a setup <laughs> because imagine if he ignored her, then he would be an entitled, uh, you know, a- Asian male who who doesn't listen to crusading Asian so-called feminists and, and all that. So yeah. it, it's a setup and it's, it's probably a, a way to gin up attention and all that. And the funniest thing is Simu Lu is hardly any kind of controversial figure. He's he's a Marvel <laughs> guy. Marvel guys are by definition quite boring. Like, uh, well, you know, try to drag Chris Pratt for being religious, right? Like there's, there was that. Yeah, but like, if you ever look at like Chris Evans's Twitter, Kumail Nanjiani's Twitter, they're the most boring blue check basic shit and that's by design it's fucking disney you know that uh, you're a disney property yeah their pr reps behind the scenes are coaching them on this right yeah. if anything seems unhinged in the sense that he actually like talks about pro-asian stuff like he's, yeah. he, he he talks out about all the violence that's been going on so so to see right? him some people uh obviously a very small minority of people trying to turn him into this polarizing uh out of control whack job is it's very telling of just just how crap buckety asian americans can get um so if people who are unfamiliar the whole like uh, attempt to tear down simulu is stems from from this alleged fact that they think simulu is, is like a secret power user on on asian identity and it is because <laughs> yeah i think it all started when that studio glibly got this was like back in 2018 i i hate myself for knowing this but he did some a vague uh, tweet about. I wish he didn't use that name. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, totally de- desecrating the good name of <laughs> Studio Ghibli. But uh, so the allegation was he, it was just this kind of subtweet, uh, no names, uh, obviously because these people are, are cowards, of calling out some like Asian male actors or something, and then Simu Lu uh, replied to it saying like, "You don't know what my thing is." And then they, their speculation is that he saw it on Asian identity. Therefore, he is 
he is allied to that subreddit. Therefore, he is toxic. Therefore, and then um, he, he's a scum of the earth. No, you're saying that Simu touted some line that came from... No, he's uh, the, their connection is that he only became aware of that tweet because he wasn't tagged in it. So it's like, there are, I think their whole speculation is how did he know about this tweet unless he like uh, uh, is allied with like Asian identity? Okay, um, this gets into a lot of specifics, but, but basically what you're saying is that they think he's an MR Asian. Like they think he's well, like Well, yeah, a... because he, he like uses that sub and secretly agrees with them or something. Okay. Fine. And <laughs> it, it speaks to a paranoia, I think, which I think is underlined by the fact that they, they do have a lot of embarrassing shit that should get called out. So they're, they're always paranoid that the next um asian american who's not in their control especially if he's a second generation straight asian american guy even if he's like totally uh harmless like like a jeremy lynn you know super religious choir boy type uh they automatically become toxic unless proven otherwise because i think ultimately they're they're embarrassed by probably some of the stuff they've done in their lives so they don't want anyone else calling it out so to see uh you know dumb goofy bland Simu Liu get painted as this dangerous figure is is quite amusing and 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 Aquafina actually let's move on to Aquafina uh because it you know she's the co-star in in Shang-Chi and she is constantly uh hit with these allegations that she's anti-black because she uh, used that yeah and you know I'm not even a fan of hers but every time I defend her just on principle I always end up getting called anti-black yeah and see the, the thing that pisses me off about her is that all these people who claim to support Asian women and uh, all that uh, are nowhere to be seen. When okay, it's one thing to be like, you know what, Aquafina, uh, you know, could you explain uh, why you did this or that? But there are people out there saying like, um, you know, like fuck this bitch or oh, why does this bitch get so many roles? She's in everything and all these things that if they were said about say Kelly Marie Tran, you know, somebody they stand for some God knows what reason. Well, we know what reason they they don't even like her. They only like her. Act. They only like her because they think it's getting back at those uh, disgusting Star Wars fanboys. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not her acting chops. Yeah. So <laughs> when they're when they treat her like, uh, like a Joan of Arc, yet nobody even says, "Hey, um, you know, Aquafina, whom I think I like Aquafina. I think she's very talented. Uh, I think she." There's a good. Yeah, I like her. I'm not. I wouldn't yeah. call myself a fan, though. I think there's a yeah. reason why she her star has risen the most since Crazy Rich Asians. Even though she wasn't mm-hmm. the star of it, she's the most talented of that bunch, and the most interesting. And uh, not even like I haven't seen anybody come to her defense, being like, "Hey, you know what? Cool it with these uh, egregious attacks." Okay, it's one thing to question her, but let's cool it with the you know fuck this bitch type of attacks. I haven't seen any of that. Why do you think that is? Because <laughs> I I think they really don't care about Asian women. They only care. To the extent they care about who they're attacking, so they uh, they defend Kelly Marie Tran because they think they're attacking. They see themselves in Kelly. That and it's safe to attack the people who attack Kelly Marie Tran. I think it's the I think it's that part. I think it's the latter. I think it's that they they don't want to speak up in defense of her because you know the hierarchy says that black women are more oppressed. Therefore, you cannot be. You know, if they say yeah. so, then so it's the case. So every time I right? get accused of anti-blackness, I pretty much just shut up because there's there's no way out of it. Once you get accused of that, but but maybe but maybe also they think it's indefensible. Maybe they think that what Aquafina does, which is to you know use this. But they have it like every time I bring it up, I'm like, what does she do though? Like, what did she actually? She do? she she was. I think what happened make, was make that a, make a direct connection between what her what you know she, she puts on she puts on blackface right she puts on like vocal black blackface yeah she but like it's, puts on this it's character. all about proportional uh response. It's like okay, if you do that, then respond. In kind, she didn't say the N word. She didn't say no. uh, a George Floyd ought to have been killed. She didn't say no. any of, anything like that. But to see just her getting constantly harassed online, these people are always about no. See, this is the fucking hypocrisy. These are the people who are always like, it doesn't matter if like a protected class, like say a minority or a woman, did something stupid. If the response to her is disproportionate, that is automatically racism or misogyny. You know that you know that kind of thinking, right? But the why doesn't it apply here? And it's because these people, what they're saying is there's a certain lim- uh, point where it's totally okay to harass and um, and just do this shit to Asian American women. And and it's really telling to see who those, uh, where that level is at. Uh, so that that's that's what pisses me off because it's their total hypocrisy about how they, uh, on one hand, when, when the target is easy, uh, they act like they're these brave defenders, but when the when the response would actually 
cost them something, maybe like credibility on social media in their social justice circles, they just throw Asian women to the wolves. They don't give a shit. Yeah, I don't think they're actively throwing her in, but they're definitely like staying out of the fight, right? Well, they're seeing what's happening to her and they're not stepping in at all. Yeah. So. I mean, there there are some that do. Well, I, I don't know if they're defending Aquafina specifically, but you know how there's this like new crowd of Asians with attitudes on Instagram. I think they defended this like random Asian woman who was definitely putting on like, you know, using AAVE. Oh, that was that and, was and, that was the whole like Boba Kame thing. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. So there's there's a crowd of people who would defend that kind of, you know, behavior as with a legitimate defense saying that like, hey, we actually grew up in, you know, black neighborhoods and stuff and we had friends who were all black and so we kind of talk like them because we share slang. Like that's how language works. Mm-hmm. Right? That that part like Right, that's, culture doesn't happen in a vacuum. Yeah, right. and and that part has it really doesn't get talked about that much right? as a, as an explanation for why Aquafina well, might I mean, have a character. What I'm saying that, is that like I have talked about it, and then I guess called anti-black for saying that. Yeah, because right? someone wants to like get into the you know the peculiar peculiarities of the of the debate. They just want to make sure their side wins, <laughs> right, or that they don't lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just just imagine like Aquafina had made like comments against Asians or let's say she made something against like Asian guys like a Celestine type situation then the response would have been uh, you know definitely that she's getting harassed because in their minds uh, that is an attack that is kind of justified in some way so that that's that's how you see the hypocrisy. It's a group of people that they love to attack. If the people getting like transgressed upon in their view is an acceptable target then anything goes but if they're not then uh, the perpetrator uh, can just be left left to hang, hang dry and it's just total cowardice there's no principle involved it's just yeah it's just their pure biases and you know trying to save their own skins and stuff yeah i feel i feel bad for her i mean i think she's a like you know i wouldn't say i'm necessarily a fan of her but i think she's like a you know decently good actress she did well in the farewell and so on well, she's her, her career is great doesn't seem to have an effect on yeah. uh, getting cast Good. in anything. I hope it doesn't. Yeah, I hope she, I hope she keeps going on. I I only watched one episode of, of Nora from Queens, her Comedy Central show, but mm-hmm. it it was. I, I mean, I, I thought it was good, but I just didn't keep up with it. So, uh, keep going, uh, Aquafina. Uh, fuck the haters. You're great. All right. Um. Oh, there's also like this other dumb Simulu controversy. Apparently, like a decade ago, he tweeted something about comparing Nicki Minaj's voice to a homeless man <laughs> ranting against a bird. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Nicki Minaj stands got really pissed off at him, accused of accused him of being of misogynoir. I mean, it was like different that. from what he's saying to what like Mariah Carey says. Wait, like constantly. Wait, what what did Mariah Carey say? Mariah Carey and Nicki Minaj had like major beef. Oh. Like, <laughs> really? Oh, you oh. know when you have beef with Mariah Carey, she does not hold back. No. And she Mariah- she has the the largest internet army b- behind BTS uh, that will crush you. So. Oh, Nicki Minaj? No, 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 Mariah Carey. No. Oh, really? Mariah yeah, Carey. she has a massive, Her, it massive rivals, like the Bayhive. Oh, yeah. wow! I did not know that. Um. So like, there's no. I mean, he's probably just like. I don't know. He probably just is repeating what Mariah Carey was saying back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, um, yeah, as I say, he, he got attacked for that. So, you know, people, yeah. He's, so it's, it's like, why is it okay for Mariah Carey to say it, but it's not okay for Simu to say it? Does anyone remember, like, all the stuff that Mariah Carey said about Nikki? Uh, apparently not me. I, did, I wasn't even aware of it, but. I, they I, were both, like, judges on, like, The Voice. Oh, or, like, really? Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. And they would always beef. You know, she, Mariah Carey would say stuff like, you know, I'm someone with a lot of number one hits. I know that you don't know what that's like. But... <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good. That's that's made for TV beefing. Uh, you know, that's that, that's yeah. And I think I think that like what Simu said. I don't think it was doesn't seem specifically racist. I guess unless you in your heart believe that black people are homeless all the time. Like it's kind of a <laughs> you know like what's the connection being drawn here, right? Um, yeah, he's he's calling her vocal style let's say uh he doesn't very like her song. Very, okay yes. you're, you're kind of entitled like to your opinion like, which, yeah what yeah was, was he being actually anti-black i don't know like no i mean you'd have to really be hunting for him um one thing i the last thing i want to say about Simulu, i think this one is worth talking about because it's, it's like more substantive it's the thing with the mark Wahlberg tweet that he yep. was critical of him uh but then he deleted it after he got into a movie the thing is What's the difference between this and say if he had given, let's say in an interview, like say in in the olden times, he he was he gave an interview to like um, Entertainment Weekly and he was highly critical of Mark Wahlberg in that interview. 
Uh, but then he, after he was put in a movie, he changed his mind. But it's not like, I think the act of like deleting a tweet and all that just gets too much play. Because in the end, it's all the same. It's something you said in the past. And, and you retract it. And you, yeah. can, you can possibly change your mind, whether it's for you know, genuine or more like business interest reasons. I think in this case, it would have been just very awkward. It would have been a very awkward business relationship to be in a movie uh, with, with somebody you were that critical about and have that tweet uh, floating around. So um, he made a career decision, whether you approve of that or not is one thing. But, you know, in the past, people have said all sorts of shits about other people, but because it was not on Twitter, whether they deleted it or not was not really an issue. So... I would say the more important thing is not whether he deleted it or not, but whether he continues to push for you know Asian American interests uh, using mm-hmm. his celebrity. That's the actually important part. And if he fails to do that, then by all means, uh, let's trash him. But the act of like del- it's it's so childish. This is, this is why famous people shouldn't be on Twitter if they can help it, right? Because it's like, ooh, did he delete this? Did he unfollow him or not? It's it's the most uh, childish, yeah. stupid stuff. And that's the thing that the best play for Simu now is to just not be online anymore, right? But he seems to not be able to help himself. Yeah, so. either that or he's contractually obligated because he's not like a genuine big star. So that's right. That's why he doesn't have a PR person who does all the tweeting for him, right? He he kind of obviously does it himself. And to a certain extent, he got the role because of Twitter, I think. Because I remember yeah, him tweeting yeah. at Disney. And yep. it's also probably helped that he was on a popular sitcom. But I, I, I remember him like tweeting at Disney, hey, you know what? You know, I'm available. I could be Shang-Chi. And I doubt that that was a decisive thing. But it could have been a factor. No, people, and- people people dig up that, that those old tweets. Um, there's two of them, actually. Um, one after Black Panther and one again later when Shang-Chi was like announced that they were making it. Uh, they they dig it up as quote unquote evidence that he you know himself worked his way in or whatever. So yeah, um, so. obviously not that straightforward. But you know, like the, yeah, he he. I mean, he was picked because of again, I think his his you know character and charm that he can play off as an actor. Um, but also the fact that like he is an Asian American movie. He has you know relationships with the community. He posts on SAT all the time. He's very popular on there and so on. Right. So. Those things all play in as a, as a good pick versus like a Lewis Tan who's like a flat actor, you know, good martial artist, flat flat actor, not really Isn't he interested. Also British, in like the from the he's UK? British as well. Yeah, that's right. So he's that's right. a foreigner, thirty foreign scum. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking um, of Twitter, uh, Donald Trump recently gave an interview on Sean Hannity where he said, oh, "Many people are leaving Twitter. <laughs> it's getting very very boring." <laughs> he's not wrong, I guess. No, he's not. He's and he's not talked wrong. about. We all pretty much left too. And this is the the funniest. And you know that he's this is pure copium for Trump. Uh, even if he's right, he said his press releases uh, are are more satisfying to him because they're more elegant than Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody believes that Donald Trump. Um, all right. Okay. Uh, so we we got about ten ish minutes left. I think anything else people want to say about Shang Chi before we move on? No. We should talk about the Oscars. One of the Oscars. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, Oscar time, Liza. This is your this is your battlefield. Yeah, and I'm glad that it's not as much of a battlefield because like hardly anyone's <laughs> talking about it. I guarantee most people are not watching it. So why is that um, good? Why is that good? Because it. Because the Oscars are so watered down to yeah. make room for all these non-movie fans and people yeah. that don't watch any keep, of the shit. Keep the posers out, right? Yeah. Make it like the Tony Awards for the hardcore fans. People that actually watch and like movies. Are they doing the red carpet this year? Or is that happening? Um, I believe that it is taking place like in person. Okay. But are they doing the red carpet where they like photograph all the, you know, the clothes and shit? Probably because that's a that's a big part of the mainstream appeal, right? It's like that that <clears throat> aspect of it, who wore what, is as big as the actual awards itself to some extent, at least on the next day in in the news, right? Yeah, but isn't the wherever they have it, like Staples Center or wherever they have, no, not Staples Center, Dolby Theater, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, isn't it gonna look super depressing though? Like like five people in each uh in aisle or something? It's gonna look like nobody's no, so there. Maybe I what yeah. I what I heard was that apparently they're doing like it all in person as you'd expect but you have to put your mask on during commercials i think that's what they said they were doing wait wait, wait that that makes no sense yeah it doesn't make any, but it doesn't make any sense you would think they would sense, put it but... on when it's when they're being 
Yeah, isn't film, Hollywood so, like one of the strictest? Yeah, because they like, want to send COVID a good protocols? message. That yeah, but they want to not cover up the pretty faces of the actors and actresses, right? Like this is. Oh my god, that's this is why it's all. This is all fu- I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going to actually end up happening tonight, but that's this is what I've read, and it just sounds really fucked up. So. Wait, so they're really going to have people like beside each other, like crammed into that theater? That sounds really I bad. I think so. Oh man, that, but uh, well, I, I, they probably don't care. But obviously, conservatives are going to have a field day with this. Like, oh, you can't. <laughs> You won't let exactly. us uh, go into the theaters. Give uh, them uh, so much fodder on Monday morning. Yeah. Actually, I just thought you know if the th- if the theaters are sparsely attended, the the scene that immediately came to my mind is remember in Amadeus uh, when um, they're performing Don Giovanni, and and after yeah. the performance they you see the crowd and see how sparse it is, and it's like a show <laughs> how far Mozart has fallen. Like when he was doing the Marriage of Figaro, the emperor was there, he was full of <laughs> yes. the, the nobility, but now he's. Don Giovanni, it's like nobody's there. It's just like that's 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 the feeling I think I would get, and I think it would be just as depressing if it was the the you know the glamour event of American film industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it looked like fucking Don Giovanni in Amadeus. <laughs> um, Nomadland is probably it probably has it on lock that it's going to win Best Picture and Best Director. Is there any even like credible threat to it in terms of? Yeah. Trial of Chicago Seven. Uh, that that movie is is not not good. I love that movie. It, it, yeah, I enjoyed it too, but I think it doesn't have the. I I think people kind of regard it as a very well made TV movie kind of thing. Um, it won't win Best Director, but it might win Best Picture as an upset. But the, I'm, I'm saying it's a, it's the only one that comes close to. Yeah. I enjoyed to, I enjoyed Mank. A yeah, lot. I think Mank's be really good. I've but uh, I think. I think if it wins, uh, Hollywood's gonna get attacked for being too pro-white male. I'm telling you that if it's gonna be *Nomadland* that wins Best Picture and Best Director tonight, and if it doesn't, it's uh, the only movie that I can see winning in its place is *Trial of the Chicago 7*. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, and also uh, *Mank* would piss off all the people who refuse to watch movies made before 1975. <laughs> I like so if it wasn't Nomadland in the top spot, I would love for Mank to win because of that. Like, <laughs> I, I feel like I feel like Pure a win spite. like Mank would alienate so many mainstream like non movie lovers. Mm-hmm. You know, like get rid of all those people. Give give the Oscar to something like Mank, which they cannot stomach, they can't tolerate. And that would make me very happy, actually. Yeah, but I just realized that uh, something interesting about the the Oscars and probably all award shows is that they don't explain the reasoning as to why they chose the thing they chose. No, it's all speculation. It's just all, yeah, this is kind of well, they're going to black box it. If they actually uh, of course, explained of course. it, then they would be hypocrites the next year. Cause you know, it's a lot of it's political. So no, but that's why but, I want but them to be less mainstream. But I'm saying they don't have to be as political. Look at the Tony awards. Did they explain why the, the play or whatever won the play or musical or whatever won the musical? I don't think they do. Right. Usually because it's the best one. Is, but what does that mean, And it's got nothing mean, to do right? with, like, its message or, like, if it's topical or not, yeah. you know? I know. I, I, I think, think Philip is saying, do they have, like, um, this is kind of like oh, what referees do after sports games. Sometimes they have to write a report justifying a oh, controversial yeah. decision. I think that's what he's talking about. No, they, like no nobody, does votes, nobody does that. Of course, it's not of, just one person. Of course not. Yeah, and they, they keep it black box so that the political stuff can happen without people knowing about it. I'm sure. Yeah. And just the personal biases stuff. Like one one year, they might be feeling very happy. They want a happy movie to win just because they feel sure. like it. In the next movie, everyone just kind of feels sad. So let's let a sad movie win. But no way they're gonna put up their uh, judgment to scrutiny by the public. So that's never going to happen. Well, no, Madland is very sad and Trial of the Shagok 7 is pretty triumphant. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what are some other movies? Is, Minari is a nominator, right? For a bunch of it stuff. It is, yeah. but it's not going to win Best Picture. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's like it, it, too it, small, too art house. Its best shot house, is yeah. Best Supporting Actress for um, The Grandma. Mm-hmm. I think uh, she probably will win because she's been rack- I mean, she's been like raking in all the the awards during awards season. Yeah. Um, what's that? I think that I am going to get my wish that Sasha Baron Cohen is going to win an Oscar. He probably will be um, for supporting. I, I think he's kind of overdue in some ways, and I, I don't know what. But he does have competition because in the same category is Daniel Kaluuya for um, Judas and the Black Messiah. And uh-huh. Keith, yeah. So I think that he has. I don't know that one. That one I can't say for sure, but I think it's between those two. Yeah, that's another movie that's nominated, right? The that that Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. Is it on Netflix? 
um hbo max oh, okay yeah i mean i heard i heard it was pretty good um i liked it yeah riz ahmed is not going to be- get um best actor like i want uh-huh. chadwick boseman is going to get it all oh, right right um which you think this is gonna be a straight posthumous and you know you don't have to debate anything about like anthony hopkins I mean, versus you could but you're called a bunch of names if you do <laughs> Um, you seem oh, very you seem very set set on that that, that that's how things are going to play out. <laughs> I do think that if if Chadwick Boseman doesn't win best, actor was he actually good though? Like I, that's the the question is always like, was he actually because Stephen Yeun is like okay, everyone's excited about you know first Asian male nominated for best actor, but he was probably not as good as Riz Ahmed. You could make that you know objective statement. But what about Chadwick mm-hmm. Boseman? Was he actually good in that movie? I didn't see Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Okay, so so you think it's strictly because of politics? I didn't politics, see like... um, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom or The Father, which Anthony Hopkins is nominated for. Okay, I saw Bank, I saw Minari, and I saw Sound of Metal. Promising Young Woman also nominated for Best Picture. Carrie Mulligan <laughs> might actually get Best Actress for Promising Young Woman. She might beat Frances McDormand. Oh, uh, I, I mean, has she? I don't think she's won an Oscar, right, Carrie Mulligan? Not before now. This will, if Frances McDormand wins, this will be her third. Wow. Oh, whoa. Okay. I was gonna say I. I don't think I. I think Carrie Mulligan is gonna win an Oscar sometime. I don't know if it will be for Promising Young Woman, but I don't know. Like giving three Oscars to one person has even like, how many does Daniel Day Lewis have? Three. Three. Okay. All right. Maybe maybe they'll give it to her because they're like, okay. Tom Hanks also has three. Also, mm-hmm. Tom Hanks had two. He has three. Oh really? What was his third one? Because he won for Forrest Gump. He won for Philadelphia. Philadelphia. What was his third one? He has another one, but I don't know what it is. So the uh, the island one. <laughs> Cast- oh, no, Castaway? no, he definitely didn't win for that. I don't think he okay. won. He was for amazing that one. in that, but he. Uh... He gets nominated every time he acts, so it's like hard <laughs> to keep up with which of the wins. No, he's only won two. Uh, Forrest Gump in Philadelphia. He's most recently nominated Best Supporting Actor for A Beautiful Day in the. Neighborhood, uh, uh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, okay, yeah, it must have been that one. Tom Hanks has been on kind of a, a cold streak. Uh, his last few movies haven't been that like Tom Hanks movies used to be events, right? Sure, but it, yeah, that, he did that, News of the World this year, and that was really good. Right, but I didn't even hear about this movie. Um, yeah, I don't know what that is. Then again, it's also COVID. He's not even the most famous Hanks right now. It's his, it's his uh, misbegotten <laughs> his son. White boy summer. <laughs> The funniest thing is how different Chet Hanks and Colin Hanks are. I they don't even seem related. There's yeah, just I, so, I didn't know that Colin Hanks. I existed. always forget that there is another no, Hanks yeah. boy. No, Colin Hanks really look for one thing. Really looks like Tom Hanks. Is actually I think a pretty good actor. And <laughs> yeah, Chet doesn't look like him. Yeah, no. Ch- Chet Hanks is, is. He feels like like he feels like Colin Hanks's son. He feels like <laughs> Tom Hanks's son's son. It, they just seem even though Chet Hanks is not that young. He's thirty or something. He just seems so. Like a, like a child and of a different generation, different mindset. Who do you guys have for um, best original screenplay? Uh, I don't even know what the nominees are. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, which I think is going to win. Yeah, that's going to win. Sound of Metal that's gonna be and the... Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah, because okay, uh, you know, I'm sure. I think it's gonna. I think it's between Promising Young Woman and Trial of the Chicago Seven. Yeah, it's going to be Promising Young Woman. That's going to be the consolation prize. They often give the screenplay award to like um the direct but like they a dir- love awarding aaron sorkin best screenplay mm, true. awards yeah true. yeah so i, I think he's won too many times yeah though. maybe that yeah and i think they w- they'll want to make uh like, like a me too type of statement they're going to want to give it to emerald pharrell F- varnell i don't know i forgot her name but they're not gonna, obviously not going to give her best director if she's been nominated for that they're definitely not going to give her I best mean, i don't know why picture. they have to give her an award at all well, I guess because it's it was a buzzy movie in kind I mean, of a down year. I mean, it's a buzzy movie and it's and, fun, but like, does it really fit up there with like the best of the best all year? I don't, I don't. Yeah, but a, a lot of times it is politics and like against Sound of Metal and against Minari and like Judas and the Black Messiah and like Trial of the Chicago Seven. I think I the don't, problem with Sound of Metal is that nobody watched it, though, right? Uh, what are you talking about? Well, I know Everyone you, I know watched it. Oh uh, yeah, but I think you you are also very into movies. I, I don't think the yeah, average person it. even that's knows. What, this is what that's what I'm saying is like i'm very into like so all the oscar viewers should be into movies mm-hmm. yeah it shouldn't be the marvel crowd watching i don't, I don't even know a lot of people watch promising young woman to be honest right well, like, I, I think it was definitely more box office than every one of these other movies what box office this year well i mean like i don't mean literally i mean like figuratively in terms of the the kind of cultural discussion it raised it was definitely the most 
box office seat. No, of, it was just the one that has the, like one of the biggest controversies that we talked about. I don't think it necessarily was a but super that. That controversy movie. was is that buzz I'm talking I, about. I heard a lot more instead of controversy in terms of just buzz. I heard more buzz for Sound of Metal than Promising Young Woman. Wait, really? Of, like Riz Ahmed being an amazing actor, you know, interesting story, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but it, it you know there weren't cultural think pieces written about Sound of Metal, right? That, sure. That's what I'm talking about. The that kind of thing. Um, White Tiger is nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just got the novel uh, from the library. I'll eventually read it. And we'll probably pot about it with our good friend Arnolf, who was who, on a who couple episodes. Who hates it, apparently. Ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'll teach us uh, <laughs> why the ways. it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I love that I, I love it, too. It's really great. All right. Uh, best Animated is going to go to Seoul. Oh, yeah. There's probably a micro controversy what about else was that. There, right? But I don't think there's any competition. Um, there was Sean the Sheep, huh. Farmageddon, <laughs> which was very good. Yeah, I don't know what um, that is. Oh, my God. I liked Onward, Pixar's Onward. Um, there's oh, Over yeah, the Onward. Moon, okay. which I also liked. Yeah. And then Wolfwalkers was actually my favorite. Oh, yeah. Of you said, all the you said nice things about it. But, no, yeah, because I like 2D animation and I like fairy tales. There, so Wolfwalkers was like, I don't know. That was, if it were up to me. And it's not, but if it were up to me, Wolfwalkers would take Best Animated. Seriously, there's a movie called Farmageddon? And it's really good. You should watch it. <laughs> the Farmageddon movie? Shaun the, is Shaun the Sheep, Farmageddon? That's like that's one movie. That's not two separate movies. It's called A Shaun the Sheep, colon, Farmageddon. Okay. Okay. <laughs> is this like that whole gnome franchise? Like, Gnomeo and Juliet? Is it by the same people? I have no idea. It's not Claymation. Okay. Oh, it's the Shaun the Sheep series. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is, yeah. I mean, it's probably pretty good. I, I can see that. I enjoyed it's it. It's like the Wallace and Gromit guys, right? Yeah, that's right. It's a spinoff of Wallace and Gromit. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. those are fun. Oh, so it those is are fun. I haven't seen this one, but yeah. Okay, all right. Okay, well, that's good. I thought it was one of those just like soulless cash gra- animation cash grabs, but Wallace and Gromit is legit good. So yeah, yeah Shaun the Sheep. I'll check this I'm out. I'm getting sick of Pixar winning all the awards for animated every single year. Plus, they, I know they need that to they be punished after all the controversies they had, you know? Like, they can't be winning everything still and have all this, like, sexual harassment going on Just, internally. <laughs> never, never, when it comes to the Oscars, never bet against Pixar. That's just, you know, no matter <laughs> how know. good another animated movie is, like Wolf Walkers, never bet against Pixar. Also, Pixar hasn't you been that lose. good in a while. I think Inside Out was their last really good well, no, Soul I heard was very good, but it also was kind of I like Soul. Soul. Um, yeah. it, it didn't come out in a normal movie year. So in terms of just like the way it swept. Well, it came the- out Christmas Day. So it's like everyone either watched Wonder Woman or they watched Soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they watched both like we did. Is Soul on Disney Plus? Yeah. Okay. I, I'll get around to that. Um, yeah. So the only awesome. shout out I want to make is that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross are up for Two movies under best original score, so I guess they're they gonna will win. Also, they will win for Soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, they did. Yeah, a two out of five chance yeah. is um. That's and pretty and good. they're excellent as always. So, always, Wait, so Trent yeah. Reznor, I'm I'm assuming the soundtrack for Soul is very jazzy. So he no, no. Oh, he no. didn't do the jazzy part. Oh, okay, and that's why it was excellent. I think right? another another musician did the jazz score for Soul, and then there's the electronic score when they are in that like other world. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was gonna say what what a, what a talented fellow he can make that like industrial goth music and jazz that's yep. that's range that's yep. range and he works for apple's like apple music division <laughs> oh, really? at one point yeah i oh. think he got acquired in or something like that so yeah okay so the oscars are tonight um i am gonna watch the league cup between tottenham and manchester city in about <laughs> 20 minutes i expect Great. to get totally defeated but you never know uh, jose Mourinho is fired so who is your team Tottenham Hotspur. It has a Sonning Min, the where are they from? The Korean superstar. Uh, they're based in London, North London. It's a it's an English Premier League team. Soccer is like talking soccer is like a foreign language to me. Yeah, the <laughs> team names are all very funny. Uh, if you're used to well, like I American can't tell team what names, what country they're from based on their names? I mean, except for like Manchester, like I can tell that that's the English, English ones are obviously English. I feel Liverpool, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, if they're named after the city, yeah, some of them have obvious like Spanish names. Um, like Real. Yeah, yeah. Well, enjoy enjoy your soccer. Yeah, um, well, I mean, hope hope we win. As I said, don't expect to, but I'm just trying not to get my hopes <laughs> Everyone's up. Everyone's dipping into their little subcultural interest <laughs> yeah. tonight. And then yeah, we'll, Philip, we'll, what, what's your what's your thing tonight? Uh, I gotta I gotta install more hard drive space in my computer. So just oh. nerding it up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I expect it to be a pretty big night for um, 
Asian Americans at the Oscars tonight. So um, yeah, we'll have stuff to talk about do, next week. For if sure. you do try, if you do like decide to to watch a bit of it, I do expect to see a bunch of really cringy <laughs> um, speeches oh, yeah, about yeah. like Hollywood representation yeah. and like anti Asian hate and how representation can like solve this problem. Mm-hmm. And and the, and the subsequent Twitter, you know, backing of that shortly after. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, it's, we got that out of our system with Parasite last year, uh, but you never no, know. No, no, no. <laughs> because that was be- that Parasite was like before the whole like yeah. apocalypse and like. Oh, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Not so, not looking forward to it. Not looking forward. No, to neither it. am I. Yeah. I would love for them to not make that connection, but of course they will. Hmm. But I would love it if, like, Minari Grandma got up there and said, I don't know what the big deal is. I have no idea why you people are crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was looking forward to seeing Bong Joon-ho um, present oh, yeah, the award right. for Best Director to Chloe, uh, Chloe Zhao. That would be a perfect moment, wouldn't it? <laughs> for Asian Americans. So yeah. maybe it's going to happen. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I think this is a good time to sign off on this episode. So thank you for listening. Join us again next week on Verified Accounts. This is Chris along with Liza and Philip. Bye, everyone. See ya. Bye, everyone.